0: is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.
1: And a very good Saturday morning to you and yours. Rothenberg with you, the Hockey Show, 98.7 ESPN. Well, uh, to be honest with you, I was hoping that I would turn on the microphone this morning and we would be waxing poetic about how the Rangers beat the Islanders at the Garden and had their way with them and how Shesterkin out-dueled Sorokin. And, well, Shesterkin was very, very good, but I think it's fair to say Sorokin might have been just a, a little bit better uh, in this game on Thursday night. So we will get to all of that in just a moment. Will Emily Kaplan, who's on the verge of becoming a huge star, maybe sure it is a huge star. She's going to be at the Rangers lightning game tonight, doing some announcing work for us on ABC. She's going to join us a little bit later in the show. We'll do it this date in hockey history. We'll hear from Lindy Ruff and the Devils, uh, hear from maybe Yaramir Yager. Maybe a big goal from Alex Ovechkin. I might even discuss high school, my high school time later in the show. I don't know where it goes. Where we start is this is the hockey show brought to you by the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge and Point Pleasant and Slomans. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Sloman shield. Keep your family safe. All you have to do is call one 800 alarm me well it was a saint patrick's night battle at the garden rangers and the islanders it did not disappoint whatsoever shesterkin great sorokin great but did it play out the way the rangers ideally wanted it let's run through what happened in this one uh, we heard his name pronounced many different ways last week. No scoring in the first period. Uh, on the power play in the second period, early on, actually a power play that carried over from the first into the second period. Uh, Anders Lee with the goal. His 23rd of the season on the power play. Uh, Barzell and Dobson with the assist. And it's one nothing. Islanders, 49 seconds into period number two. Rangers had a chance to match that power play goal. Uh, middle stages of the second period and they did and it was a big goal for the Rangers Chris Kreider with his 40th 40th of the season on the power play Lafreniere and Trouba with the assist Chris Kreider now with that goal becomes the 21st Ranger in team history to ever score 40 goals in a season and the first ranger since tomas sandstrom in 86 87 to be drafted by the rangers and score 40 goals in a season and that was the high for the rangers the low late stages of the third kyle Palmieri uh slips one past igor shesterkin it's his 11th pulak and Pelik with the assist the defense pairing as Palmieri at 17-16 scores the goal, makes it 2-1. Turns out that was in fact the game winner and the Islanders win it by the score of 2-1. to I thought it'd be interesting and, and somewhat fun to listen to both coaches after this really intense physical battle between the Islanders and the Rangers. We'll start with Barry Trotz. Here is the head coach of the Islanders. His thoughts on his team's victory.
2: I thought it was a hell of a hockey game, both teams. I mean, that was as fast as you're going to see, especially the first period. You saw unbelievable goaltending on both sides. You saw commitment on both sides. You saw a good rivalry game. Fans were fantastic. It was a great atmosphere. I don't think any of the green beer would have had any effect on them. But I just I just thought it was a hell of a hockey game. and had a, a good playoff type of uh, game. And both, those are enjoyable, no matter what the outcome is. it's Those are fun
1: really was, and he mentioned that first period. The first period was phenomenal. There were no goals in the first period, but it, they went up and down the ice, and each goaltender made great saves. It was physical. It was a, a clean, physical brand of hockey. It was as good as you, you, you'd want, really. The first period was great. The whole game, outside of the Rangers losing it, was just an exceptional, exceptional game. Uh, more from Barry Trotz, and I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this to you. Uh, I want to run through quickly the three stars. Shostorkin was your third star. And Kyle Palmieri was your second star with the goal uh, and he was plus one in this game and then Ilya Sorokin 29 saves on 30 shots was he was just he was just phenomenal so he was your first star of the game more from Trots, uh, and I haven't even heard this and this might pain me uh, is this the most satisfying win of the year for your team?
2: I don't know. There's different ones for different reasons. But it was it was good because all the elements. It wasn't a game where one team didn't show up. Or whatever. It was two teams going nose-to-nose. Great goaltending, great atmosphere. So it was. I'm going to say it was the most fun game of the year.
1: Well, not the most satisfying, or he's not sure about that, but the most fun game of the year. Certainly wasn't from the Rangers' standpoint. And the Rangers, again, they played a good game. When the Islanders play well and they have been playing better of late, they're a good hockey team. We saw it last year. I mean, they were one win away from going. And this is this probably haunts the Islander fans. They're probably one win away. Game seven in Tampa winning that game away from winning the Stanley Cup last year. So you win this game against the Rangers. Um, here is Barry Trotz on the game, the performance, and really was masterful of his goaltender Sorokin
2: i've seen it for a while I, there's no i just I, unfortunately we expect that I just as the rangers probably expect that from from their goaltender which is pretty amazing as i said the numbers that those goals goaltenders and, and the top goaltenders in the league are putting up are pretty astounding considering the, the skill level in the league and uh technology and the pace and the speed and all that traffic you, you name it it's it's pretty amazing that they're 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 doing that and then you see it around the league
1: so that's Barry Trotz, and you can hear how how pleased he was. And it's been a struggle of a season, right? I mean, honestly, if you ask Barry Trotz, is this a position you you hoped you would be in at this point of the season? Uh, the answer is, is definitively no. It, it absolutely is not. But to to be playing well down the stretch and to get the win against the uh, the Rangers at the Garden, I'm, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's very very pleased with that. So that's that's Barry Trotz now. Uh, Gerard Gallant, after the game, I don't think will be nearly as pleased. Late stages actually led to the goal that the Islanders scored. Uh, Ryan Glenn- Lindgren w- was hit right in the in the nose, and blood was drawn, and he was actually dripping blood. Uh, he lost his stick on the play as well. Nothing was called and the Rangers were furious about it. Let's take a listen. Here is Gerard Gallant discussing the no-call on Lindgren. To
3: be honest with you, they had more of a problem on our two penalties that were called in, the, in earlier in the game, that, that the strom roughing and then uh, the Goodrow hooking, which, you know, that, I think the referees did a good job. I like, you know, low penalties are good, but I just didn't like the two calls against us. I really didn't, and, and I didn't see, you know, there were penalties in those ones, but they got a tough job to do, and, you know, it's a battle. But, uh, and at the end, I to be honest with you, I think it was a high stick, but it wasn't that somebody said it was a shoulder or elbow. I, I didn't see it yet,
1: Larry, to be honest with you. All right. So n- not not, you know, taking the high road there. Certainly not not complaining about that play. Other plays kind of annoyed the Rangers head coach, but not not blaming the loss, certainly on the officials at all. More from the Rangers head coach. How did your team stand up to the Islanders brand of physicality? I wouldn't say our team stood up to that. We're going to play at a level, and, you know,
3: the Islanders play at a level, so I, I like the way we played. I like the way we go in our fourth line. were out there forechecking and bumping the body, and it was a good hockey game from two good teams, you know, and it was back and forth, and, you know, the Islanders are in the position they are, but we all know they're a real good hockey team. They had a tough, tough two and a half months to start the season out with their injuries and COVID and everything, and they get hit real hard, so we know they're a good hockey team and a very talented team, and I thought tonight's game was, uh, like I said, a coin toss
1: it was a good game it really was it was one of the better games you've seen this season and unfortunately for Rangers fans you fall a little short fortunately for Islanders fans you found your way to a victory on that one. More from Gerard Gallant. Could you have played that game-winning goal a little bit differently down the stretch?
3: Well, I think what happened is we got rattled at the other end when he got elbowed and he was a little, you know, foggy or whatever. And uh, no, it was, a, it was a funny rush. And, you know, if you look at it, you see Foxy was going to take the guy in the goal line. It looked like he was trying to pass it to him and the puck redirected it. And then the guy bangs in front of the net. So it was an unfortunate
1: bounce for us. It certainly was, and the Islanders with a, a 2-1 victory, because you start to have the thought, if you're either either team, we're getting at least a point out of this one, right? You're two minutes, two and a half minutes to go in the game, get at least a point, and then we'll take our chances three-on-three three and maybe the shootout, if you're the Rangers, to get nothing. And to play a good game like that was was very, very frustrating. So Rangers get nothing out of that, and we'll we'll run through it later. Their schedule this next week might be their toughest week-long stretch of the entire season. It is really really difficult all right we have a giveaway people an autographed islanders puck to giveaway very easy to enter just text goal let me say that again just text goal to 44202 again that's goal to 44202 we'll select a winner at random and send them a signed puck all from your home for the hookup your good friends and and me specifically right here on 98.7 ESPN so Before we sign off on this first segment, the Islanders are having a really cool day today at UBS Arena, Nickelodeon Day. Let's discuss what that means and how cool that will be to watch on television. Here is, from the Islanders, Danielle Lewis to help us break it down. Before we even start with anything, Danielle, thanks for waking up with us on Saturday morning. We really appreciate it here.
4: Of course. Good morning, and thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So walk us through. I mean, I have an idea of what Nickelodeon Day is, but walk us through what what kind of takes place at UBS Arena and how cool this event is this afternoon um, for the Islanders in their home game.
4: Sure. So we have a action-packed game, and with that, fans will really be immersed as soon as they walk into the building. All of our displays have a complete takeover, so any of the imagery graphics that you see on any of our video boards will really have that feel for Nickelodeon Day and our our collaboration with them. Um, We have concourse activations um, throughout our upper and lower concourses. There is a Nick Jr. station where there's activities, a coloring station and some giveaways. There's also a a slime uh, DIY assembly. So you are able to walk away and and take home at the end of the night a a jar that you put together. And then we have photo opportunities throughout the concourses. Um, And fans really will feel like it is a Nickelodeon game and have a lot of the nostalgia from the 90s and then of course for the recent shows that uh, Nickelodeon has right now.
1: So you guys did something like this last year but this is on on a much grander scale, right?
4: Yes. Uh, Last year, the real uh, main difference and what we've adjusted, of course, for this year is last year, we didn't have very many fans in the building. Um, So a lot of that was focused around um, the digital space. So our social platforms fans really were able to uh, get a full Nickelodeon Day experience as well as our second screen experience app. And that's really where we were bringing in, um, you know, the in arena experience that not all fans were able to take part in. And the adjustment that we did for this year, of course, having all fans, back in the arena which has been amazing is really focus in on the activations that we can do live and in person um, there is actually a season ticket member family that is uh, going to experience the entire game from the snake big orange couch which a lot of people are familiar with and watch the entire game from uh, the couch and really en- enjoy their time and so just trying to bring everything um, and have the full Nick day experience um, in addition to all the graphics and videos and cartoons that everyone is familiar with.
1: So when I, when I was a kid, you, 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 your parents took you, you shut up, you went to the game, you watched the game, they did nothing to cater to anybody really. And you turned around and you watched the game and you went home. H- how important is it? Like h- how much of a concerted effort have you guys made to really cater to to the, to the young generation to get them into Islanders hockey.
4: Sure, of course. And it's really all about entertainment. Um, It is like you're saying, it is not just uh, to come and enjoy the game. What's on the ice is amazing, but there's so much other um, activities throughout the arena on a normal day. Um, You know, The arena is beautiful and and there's tons to do, but when we are able to do a takeover theme game, there's so much additional um, that we can add for our fans. So really being able to entertain them from the moment they walk into the building until the moment that they leave is really Uh, key for us especially on the game presentation side as well when it comes to the programming that we have on the board and whether it's the contest that we play in arena or the videos that we play we really are focused in on how can we entertain um, our fans through the entire game
1: well it it certainly is a great idea i'm sure you're gonna have tremendous success later today good luck with all the event i'm sure you, you have a lot on your plate so certainly appreciate a couple minutes uh this morning thanks so much and uh when you do your next big big event or nickelodeon day or whatever it is we'll have you on the hockey show here on 98.7
4: perfect that sounds like a plan and thank you so much and um definitely stay tuned through all of our uh, social platforms um as well as our home ice our second screen experience app and then in arena
1: All right, great stuff. That is Danielle Lewis. We appreciate her from the Islanders joining us to break down what's happening at UBS today. Another guest joining us in just a moment, Emily Kaplan, will be between the benches down ice level with the Rangers and the Lightning tonight. Huge game on ABC. We tackle that next right here on 98.7 ESPN.
5: Today's Hockey Heart Spotlight shines on the Matt Martin Foundation. The Foundation generates financial support and awareness for several causes, which are close to the Islander Enforcer. These worthy charities include the PBA Widow and Children's Fund, ACDS, which is a lifetime services agency serving individuals with a disability, and of course, the Boomer Science Foundation for Cystic Fibrosis. Hit back with Matt by getting involved in the annual Winter Classic Tournament, or make a donation by going to MattMartinHockey.com. Hockey Heart Spotlight is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohn. For two decades, providing high-end legal services for families who have a child with a disability. The power play is to call 516-877-0595 or go to the web at amcohenlaw.com.
0: to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.
1: All right, Saturday morning, Rothenberg with you, 9870 ESPN. Tonight, 8 o'clock, ABC, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference square off, two-time defending champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers game down in Tampa. Sean McDonough, Ray Ferrara on the call, along with... Our next guest, Emily Kaplan, will be between the benches, and she joins us right now on the Hockey Show. Emily, thank you so much. Game day for taking a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule
6: my pleasure it's uh, sunny Florida so I have a couple things to do this morning but this is definitely on my to-do
1: list well I I appreciate it I mean this is a big game right we know that Tampa is a grizzled team they've been there they've been through the battles they've won the cup last couple of seasons Rangers kind of just starting to dip their toe into the water of being this echelon of team how big of a test is this for the Rangers
6: it's a really big test. Like guys say all the time, like we play 82 games. Some, like not all can be bigger than the next, but this one is a big one in a lot of ways. It's because of the timing, just two days before the trade deadline. Um, you know, I think this is a time where I've heard a lot of smoke about what Chris Durie might be doing. He might just look at his team over this stretch of games and say, "Well, wow, this is exactly what we need, or maybe this is not the time to go for it. So in that context, it's always a big game. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, the team that they're playing, the Tampa Bay Lightning, They've been there. They've done that. They know how to get through the grind of a regular season and amp up when they need to amp up, and that's pretty much the team that the Rangers are trying to emulate. So this is a chance to go against the big boys and, and kind of prove yourself in the Eastern Conference.
1: It, it, it sure is. And, and when you look at Tampa, like, and you mention it, the Rangers, this is exactly what they're trying to get to, right? I mean, Tampa's r- brilliantly coached and a great goaltender and a, an elite defenseman. Right? They, like, they, they – And they've been through the battles. They've been through, you know, game sevens and and emotional moments and no crowds and no travel. And and it's just like, this is what you're trying to get to if you're the Rangers. In your opinion, how, how close, if at all, are the Rangers to where Tampa is at the top of the mountain right now?
6: No, and you even brought up a great point just because they're structured the same way, right? Of having that number one absolute stud of a goaltender. Like, Andre Vasilevsky is the best guy in the league right now far none. Igor Shostakov will probably be the best guy in the league in five years. Said if i headman I can do it all. You got Foss. Um, anyway, so there's a lot of similarities, and also in the sense that they decided to draft and develop, and that's the way that they built their team. That's exactly how the Lightning built their team, by hitting all these late draft picks while also having studs like Hedman and Vasilevsky. And you see the Rangers doing the same thing, because in old days, I feel like Chris Curry you know, his predecessors were big to get the big free agent or make the big splash, and he really seems patient of wanting to build a team the right way. How close are they? Um, you know, it, it took Tampa some time as a top team in the league in the regular season to figure out how to win in the postseason. So I do think the Rangers are probably a couple years away from a cup, but they're very, very close to emulating the type of team that Tampa has.
1: So trade deadline, we're Saturday morning now. Trade deadline is uh, Monday afternoon. So, you know, a little more than 48-ish kind of hours. Um, what do the Rangers have to do in your mind? Or, or like you mentioned, I mean, is, is tonight and tomorrow night against two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, is this a litmus test? Like if the Rangers are terrible, maybe do you do you pull back a little bit if you're Chris Drury? If the Rangers are, are right there and just miss missed by a a moment or two, do you do you kind of go all in? Like, like, is this next 48 hours, let's see what we are, and then we kind of determine what, what to do with the deadline?
6: It might not necessarily just be these 48 hours, but definitely the stretch of games. I, I think there's a lot of teams that I've heard of that are kind of deciding, okay, this is the direction we'll go based off of how we perform. The Rangers are tricky, though. Um, you know, out of all the teams in the league, they're a tough nut to crack. I think Chris Drury has run a very tight shift. Um, he hasn't given any media interviews all year. I have now, this is the second game I've had with him, um, you know, declined to even come on our broadcast tonight. And I think he, he's liking to keeping things close to the best um, from other scouts in the league and other sources in the league. I've heard the Rangers are looking at just about everyone um, specifically forwards and forward depth. You know, I've heard Phil Kessels name mentioned, I think that they were sniffing around on Thomas Hurdle before he signed a long-term extension in San Jose. Um, what they need to do, I think, um, just add a couple more pieces to fortify this team because I think there's a lot to build on this year and you want to make a strong playoff run, but you don't want to mortgage too much of that future um, because you want to build sustained success.
1: So, so that was kind of my next question. And Emily Kaplan with us, she's going to be between the benches tonight for the Rangers Lightning on ABC. Do you, do you try to make a deal, if you're Chris Drury and the Rangers, that will benefit you now and the future, like, I can't envision a short-term rental to try to make you better for the immediate is the direction that would be recommended. I wouldn't think.
6: Right, unless there are some small moves that you can make where you're only giving up a late draft pick for a veteran player. Like, Phil Kessel would be the example there, right? He's not making that much money, and you're not giving up that much. Um, But I do think that, in general, philosophically, they want a, a lot of teams, and I do think the Rangers would be included, um, want to get a player that they know they'll have for two or three years and have that cost certainty. That's why a guy like Brandon Hagel in Chicago became such a hot name because he's under contract not just for this year but next year at under $2 million cap hit. So I think they'd be looking at moves like that, but those moves are very hard to pull off. And typically I find we hear a lot of smoke around the trade deadline and all of these potential deals. The teams tend to deal more in the summertime because that's when the market is bigger. There's more flexibility to do things with the salary cap.
1: A name that I, I've heard out there in, in rumblings, and it, it makes me kind of scratch my head, and that's Capo who I, I know is still out. But realistically, do you think the Rangers trade some of their, you know, potentially elite youth to, uh, to go for it now in the next couple of years?
4: Um,
6: it's, a t- it's a tough uh, question. I think, again, those type of moves are typically for the summer um, when you're making a big franchise. You know, this is a guy we drafted really high not too long ago. Are we giving up on him? When you're making that type of decision, I find they're in the bigger trades. And those are typically that come around the draft.
1: All right, so you don't expect to see that now. Um, Rangers-Lightning, obviously, tonight, 8 o'clock, ABC. Lightning or Hurricanes right now? And you're, or maybe someone else. You can go off the board as well. Who, who is the best team in the Eastern Conference?
6: You know, the Carolina Hurricanes are awesome. I had their game in Raleigh last week. They're just so impressive because it's hard to find any weakness on their roster. And the goaltending been superb this year with Freddie Anderson. But there's something about the Lightning I just keep coming back to. I had them on opening night. I'm so excited to kind of see them again at this stage because, like I said earlier, they know how to win. They know how to amp it up at the right time. And um, these guys, I feel like, are almost like sleeping giants, and we haven't seen the best of them this year, and I think that's really scary.
1: It's terrifying. And I think you saw it last year during (laughs) the regular season too, right? They kind of went through the motions a little bit, and then they get to the postseason. And, you know, we we talk about all the time, Emily. It's like you can't just, you know, have the 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 flip the the switch not not up, and then all of a sudden just flip it. But m- maybe you can because it felt like they've kind of done that a little bit.
6: Totally. Um, and credit to their coach John Cooper, who I think is one of the best in the league at just being in tune with the personalities, knowing when to push those buttons, and also like when to let the guys let loose and just um kind of enjoy themselves and enjoy the fact that they're professional hockey players. And I think sometimes that's lost in it when there's so much pressure to win. And when I look at that team, I look at a team that genuinely has fun, genuinely loves each other, and genuinely loves to play for each other and win.
1: It's pretty obvious that they do, and and they do that very, very well. Um, Rangers, goaltending, we talk about Shesterkin, he's been phenomenal. But behind him has not been great. Do you worry at all about overusing him in these games that when you get to the postseason, he's not fresh? And maybe maybe even say, you know what, We'll, we'll play Georgie even if it means there's a chance we're going to lose this game, it's important to keep Shostakhin healthy and ready to to get to the postseason?
6: Yeah. Do you know what's interesting is that before Igor Shostakhin came to North America um, and played with, you know, the Wolfpack and then the Rangers, he was never the number one in the KHL. Um, In one year, he splitted with Niko Koskinen, who's now with the Oilers. Uh, The next year, he also had like a split situation. When he was with Russian national teams, he's also splitting sometimes with Ilya Sorokin. So, like, this is really, like, the first time where he's been the guy. And so that tells you, like, oh, maybe they should be careful. At the same time, there's certain goalies in this league that just need to play more. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury is like that. Um, the more they play, the better they are, the better teams they get into, and they just get dialed in and locked in. Um, so that's a decision for Benny Allaire. I don't know the guy that well. So they are just kind of the facts that I know. The situation with Georgiev is interesting, though, because – He switched agents recently. He's now represented by Jerry Johansson. We know that he's not super pleased about being right behind Igor Tosturkin, being the same age. We know that he's probably not coming back next year because of that. Um, But would he get traded? And did that agent change facilitate a trade? The sense I get is the Rangers just don't want to give him up because they do feel like they're going to need him this year. And they say, hey, we'll take care of you. But again, in the summertime when most of these deals are made. um, So I get the sense that you'll ride Igor Tosturkin pretty hard. Um, but they know that they can count on Georgie. Georgie, by the way, is another one of those goaltenders that benefits from playing a lot. And that's sure. probably why you see some of his struggles.
1: Yeah, because when Shesterkin has missed time, like an extended period of time, Georgie's been pretty good, you know, get it, being the number one guy for a couple of weeks. But when yep. he's in and doesn't play and then comes back and out, that's where they have kind of run into trouble with him.
6: Right. And that's challenging for a lot of goaltenders. It's a common problem.
1: Absolutely is. Uh, Emily Kaplan here. Tonight, of course, big game. Rangers-Lightning, ABC, 8 o'clock. Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro on the call. Emily will be between the benches. You must hear some phenomenal stuff between the benches, right? Uh, anything, <laughs> anything that you can share without crossing that line of things you probably shouldn't tell us that you've kind of chuckled at over this time in between the benches?
6: You know, well, firstly, I should clarify. I'm actually not going to be between the benches on this game, and I feel bad that you pumped it up. Um, Ray Ferrara will get the pleasure of doing that. I'll be ringside and other places interviewing players. Um, but I do hear a lot of fun things when I am in between the benches on games. Honestly, like, the guys are hilarious. They make me laugh. I'm the funniest one I have this year, and it's I'm not a Rangers player, It was a Matt Barzell and Kirby Dock of the Chicago Blackhawks. And they were just getting into it. And they sounded like two 12-year-old boys. They were like, you're annoying. No, you're the one that's annoying. No, you are. And I was just cracking up. And the ref came over and was like, you guys are worse than my kids at home. And it's just, you know, these are big, tough, professional athletes. But in the heat of the moment, um, they've become pretty funny.
1: We talk about it all the time. Because I do do the morning show with Rick DiPietro here on 9870 SPN. Everyone's just big kids. That's what they are. Right, They're living at their dream, getting paid lots of money in front of a lot of people, but they're still the kids on the pond and they're still just big kids.
6: hundred percent. And I can guarantee you that is a Rick D T H original quote because he is the best example of that. I love that guy.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to tell him that because he has a big ego to begin with, but he is uh, very entertaining. We have a really good time on our show. Emily, great job. Even though you're not between the benches tonight, we know you're going to do great work. Big game tonight. Obviously, big game for the Rangers tomorrow night as well. Appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks so much.
6: Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, tune in today. It's our first primetime game on ABC at 8 p.m.,
1: so pretty exciting. That is big stuff. That's, of course, Emily Kaplan. She will be down in Tampa tonight. Quick break. Come back. We'll look at the Devils and the week that was with New Jersey. It is the Hockey Show on the Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN.
5: Andy from Merrick presents today's Defensive Analytics, sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. Sometimes hockey statistics can be very misleading. As a team, the Rangers have given up almost 2,000 shots so far this year, placing them in the bottom third of the league. However, with a goals against average hovering around 2.5 per game, the Blue Shirts are among the very best in the league in that category.
0: Back to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.
1: Well, big thanks to Emily Kaplan. She's going to be part of the broadcast tonight. ABC, Rangers, and the Lightning. Um, We've kind of walked through the Islanders and the Rangers. And, of course, the tough loss for the Rangers on, on Thursday night of this week. Late stages of the game. Uh, the goal from the Isles and the Rangers lose it two to one. But we haven't really looked at the Devils at all. We should change that right now. Uh, quickly, let's look at what the Devils were this week. And then we'll hear from the head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff, in just a moment. So a week ago, last Saturday, uh, Devils took on the Anaheim Ducks who were making their New York tour. Um, Devils f- fell behind in that one at 11.02 at the first period. But at 239 of the second, Thomas uh, Tatar tied the game at 1-1. It stayed that way to the end of regulation. We go to three on three. No goals there either. Go to a shootout. Tatar with the goal. uh, Zgris, uh did not score. The kid from Bedford, New York, up in Westchester, did not score. And now uh, with the goal. So a, a save from, uh, from Dawes. And the Devils get out of this one with a 2-1 win uh, in the shootout. Uh, Dawes was your second star, Tatar was your first star, so the Devils, another win, and again, we've mentioned this uh, prior on the show, Devils have been playing much better hockey as of late, and again, no pressure, so it kind of makes a little bit of sense what's going on with the Devils. Fast forward, a lot of mileage, and much later, Tuesday night, out in Vancouver, uh, Devils take on... The Canucks uh, fell behind 2-0 by the 11-minute mark of the first period. Ryan Graves lit the lamp at 17-17 of the first to cut the lead in half, 2-1 into one. We go to the second, and Jack Hughes scores his 19th of the season, uh, deadlocking the game at 2, but about four minutes after that, uh, 3-2 Canucks. And then uh, later, like 17 seconds after that, uh, Tanner Pearson with the goal made it 4-2. Uh, Devils cut it to 4-3 by the end of the second period, but two goals in the third, and your final score was uh, was 6-3. Uh, Jack Hughes was your third star. JT Miller, who certainly is involved in a lot of uh, trade talks recently, was your second star of the game. And that was Tuesday. Then we fast forward to Wednesday. Uh, Devils lost six three on Tuesday. Now they traveled to Calgary, who is really one of the better teams in in hockey. Very quietly this season, and it was uh, kind of more of the same. Devils fell behind at nine forty three of period number one, one nothing. But Dawson Mercer uh, scores his fifteenth of the season, tying the game at one. Uh, Devils fell behind two one at the end of the first. They did tie the game at five oh one. PK Subban with the goal tying it at two, but that's when things kind of fell apart. 3-2, 4-2, 5-2, three unanswered in the second period for the Flames. Uh, Devil scored one in the third, but a, uh, a goal from Johnny Goudreau, empty net variety, made it 6-3. So a win last Saturday uh, against the Ducks, and then Tuesday a loss to Vancouver 6-3. Same score on Wednesday Wednesday. Uh, 6-3 as well. So those are two of the better teams, uh, right? Vancouver battling for a a playoff spot. Uh, Calgary you know, going to wind up with one of the top seeds in the Western Conference as far as the playoffs are concerned. So after the game on Wednesday, head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff, addressed the media, and I want to take a listen to a little bit of what he had to say. Um, Discuss the effect on the team giving up the lead so quickly in these games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights.
7: Well, it takes your energy away from you right away. I mean, we fought back there a couple times and look like we were back in the game and only to give up a goal within that uh, definitely you're looking for momentum and we couldn't find it
1: so Devils you know again fought back tied the game at two on Wednesday against uh, against Calgary but you know an unanswered barrage really for lack of a better term and five2 by the end of the second period, Uh, more from Lindy Ruff. Now, I didn't mention this when we're kind of recapping the games. Nico Dawes got taken out of the games both on Tuesday and Wednesday because you don't want your young netminder to get shelled and and to have to live with that and deal with that and then, you know, have that on his conscience. And you want to get these guys out of the game when things get really kind of out of control. Well, Lindy Ruff was asked about that on on pulling Nico Dawes for the second consecutive game on Wednesday night.
7: You know, I put I put Nico through a pretty tough test. Probably an unfair test for a young goaltender. Back-to-back, came out of the game. I mean, it's physically playing back-to-back is tough. Mentally, getting prepared for every game is tough. We've asked a lot of him. Probably unfairly, I've asked a lot of them. You know, tonight he just didn't have it. And that can be a product. He's played a lot of games. He's prepared for a lot of games. He's developing as a young goaltender. He's given us good games. But the test has probably been a little bit too big for
1: him. In moments, I think it has. In moments, like we mentioned, the game last Saturday against Anaheim. He was, uh, you know, one of the top stars of the game. So these are good teams and this is a long season and you have to think about this as well. I don't think anybody thought Nico Dawes was going to be getting start after start after start when we began this season, right? There's no way that you thought that Nico Dawes was going to be going game after game after game for the Devils when we started the 2021 2022 season and and that's kind of the position that we're in right now so uh it's important to keep his morale up it's important to kind of and i don't want to say baby him because i don't think that's fair but but maybe in some ways treat him with with some kid gloves now more on that lindy ruff discusses and i think it's important managing the the mentality of a young goalie like Nico does well
7: you know that's that is something that he's got to work his way through he knows that at the NHL level it's a tough game you've got to be ready for every shot from every angle almost every shot can mean momentum in the game it can mean the, the game for your team I think he understands that the shooters at this level are better shooters than that you know the American League level and that's the adjustment that he's been working on but it's something it's, it's growth for him there's no straight line to the top
1: he's given us a lot of good games and you know, he's going to continue to grow. Now, uh, to be frank with you, the, the Devils power play uh, was really kind of lousy in this game against Calgary. They were, they were 0 for 4. And how about this? Calgary scored six goals and didn't go on the power play once. They were 0 for 0 on the power play. Devils went on four times, were 0 for 4. Here is Lindy Ruff discussing recently what we've seen is a, just a bad power play from the Devils.
7: Yeah, we couldn't get anything. You know, we, we had plays there. We missed the net on a couple of plays. We made Aaron passes. It looked like a couple of the power plays just fatigue in our in our power play. We moved it around too slow. We didn't find our oats quick enough. You know, you can look at probably five six times we've got the puck on our stick and, and we didn't make the play. And when you don't make the play, you're down the ice or up ice pressure was pretty good and you spent too much energy bringing in the puck up ice two or three times versus operating inside the zone.
1: Now listen, we sit here in our every t- tower and we talk about these you know, professional athletes and how easy it is and the lifestyle that li- that they lead and I think a lot of that is is accurate and true. But for a moment, let me just bring you to what the Devils had to do. They they play on Saturday. Then they have to travel out to Vancouver, which is literally across the country into another country, take on a good team that needs to win in Vancouver get on a plane right after that game, go to Calgary, take on one of the better teams in all the NHL. So the fact that they're playing back-to-back nights, that they are a little fatigued, they're not one of the better teams in the NHL to begin with, it all makes sense. And it's all about managing minutes and getting this team to get the most out of this season that remains. And on top of that, also getting some of the younger guys some experience. Now, one more I want to play for you, uh, from Lindy Ruff. Kind of the difficulty, because the Devils have had a, a, a mess of a lineup and guys in and out of the lineup continuously. Uh, here is the head coach, Lindy Ruff, discussing the difficulty of not being at full strength back-to-back nights.
7: Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that we have some guys play minutes that they don't normally play. And in a tough situation back-to-back, I thought our energy for the first 30 minutes was really good. I thought that, you know, we lost some of that. Our changes got slower. Our changes got sloppier. We couldn't get up ice. And those were the plays, some of the plays that hurt us. You look at a couple Couple of goals just off of we dumped it in, and they're making a stretch pass that we're trying to get people in place.
1: So that, of course, is Lindy Ruff, and he, you know what the, I like about him, he gives you an honest answer. You know, he, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. We were we were great, we were this. He's going to tell you we were not good, and and this is why. And if the goaltender's not good, he's going to tell you that. And if the guys are a little fatigued or whatever, you're going to get that as well. So uh, Devils have played 61 games; they are 22. And 34 with five losses in overtime they are tied for last right now uh, in the metropolitan division with 49 points they're ahead of three teams uh in the atlantic ahead of buffalo ottawa and montreal as well and they are minus 35 as far as gold differential is concerned so Again, they still have about 20 games to go, and it'll be important to see what some of these young guys have. And you know what else is important? What the Devils will do at the trade deadline, which is right around the corner uh, Monday afternoon. So that's the Devils. We've looked at the Islanders, the Rangers. Let's kind of revisit all three. We'll do a little quick, you know, flashback. uh, This date in hockey history, Yarmir Yager, right? And he's, of course, passed by who? The great Alex Ovechkin. And then we'll look at what these three local teams have coming up this week. All that and more. It's a Saturday morning on the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket.
0: (laughs)
5: Andy from Merrick presents today's Wager Wager Plays. All three locals are on the ice today, and all three games offer a value for those willing to risk a few dollars. At 2 o'clock, the Islanders host the Dallas Stars. While the Isles have increased their scoring in recent weeks, I look to the under as the play on this one. The New Jersey Devils continue their West Coast swing and visit the Edmonton Oilers. McDavid, Drysdale, & Company will have no problem handling the up-and-coming Devils. And finally, the Rangers visit the two-time Stanley Cup champion, Hample Lightning, at 8 p.m. before a national TV audience on ABC. The blue shirts have been terrific this year, but the Lightning will simply be too much to handle this evening. Andy from Merrick's Wager Plays are for entertainment only. As always, bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877 8 OpenY. ny or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Now back to The Hockey
0: Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.
1: What an action-packed hockey show you've had this Saturday morning. I mean, on the heels of what was a very disappointing loss for the Rangers Thursday night against the Islanders 2-1. to So we've discussed that. Emily Kaplan, who is, I mean, I'm pleased she'll just come on the show because she's on the verge of, if she's not there already, absolute superstardom. We've broken down the Devils and their last couple of losses out on the road against Vancouver and Calgary. And now we look ahead to the week that will be. But before we get there, a couple things that I want to get into with you. Uh, it is the Hockey Show, brought to you, of course, by Slomans. Call one 800 alarm Me to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Sloman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call one 800 alarm Me. Well, Alex Ovechkin continues to score goals. And Tuesday night of this week, he scored a very important goal. Let's take a listen. One back
0: and shooting. He scores!
1: So you heard that correctly, 767 career goals. That was John Walton Caps radio network, thanks to them, as Alex Ovechkin scores his – I mean, think about that for a second. 767 goals in his career, passing Yarmir Yager. And here's the thing. He's not done. I, I mean, I, I think – you start to look at the numbers – there is a real chance. So, so Ovechkin has 767. Howe is next up. He's going to pass Gordie Howe, who had 801. And then Gretzky is next up, but he's 130-ish goals behind Gretzky. Ovechkin's good for 40 goals a season. Now, is he good for three seasons of 40? I don't know. But when you when you look at the numbers at the records, in, in some of these sports and home run records, this will never get broken. Most points, Gretzky never get broken. Most goals, Gretzky never. Well, you know what? We sit here on March 19th of 2022 and there is a chance I'm not saying it definitely happens, but there is a chance in the next couple of years that Alex Ovechkin, he's going to pass Gordie Howe. I think that goes without saying there's a chance that he passes Wayne Gretzky as the all time goal scorer in the National Hockey League. So that really is unbelievable. Now, he passed Yarmir Yager for third all time. Here is Yager congratulating, but also a little bit tongue in cheek.
3: Alex, the grade eight, congratulation. Now you become the leading NHL goal scorer among European players. But keep scoring, keep scoring. Because as you know, I didn't retire from hockey yet. And there's a chance I might come back to NHL and start chasing
1: you. Oh my goodness. I feel like it's Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, you look at, I come after you, right? But uh, Yarmir Yager with a, a little threat of uh, Alex Ovechkin, but no, it's cute. And, uh, and congratulations to Alex Ovechkin. He's now the all-time European goal scorer in the NHL. And, and Jagr's still playing, by the way. I think is like 50 years old, still playing professional hockey over in Europe. Uh, okay, so with that being said, let's take a look at this day in hockey history, and we stay with Yarmir Jagr. Oh, yes, bring us, bring us back, will you? March 19th. 2007, you know what the amazing thing is? I say March 19, 2007, you say, yeah, right, sure. That's 15 years ago, 2007. Anyhow, Yarmir Yager becomes the first player in NHL history to score at least 25 goals in each of his first 16 seasons. Yager scored the goal with 33.8 seconds remaining in the third period of the Rangers' 2-1 victory over the Penguins at MSG. I turned 49 a week ago today. Yarmir Yager was playing in the NHL when I was in high school. When I was in high school. Think about that for a moment. Okay, now let's take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All American Auto Group at locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant, the number one Ford Auto Group in the Northeast. You can find them online very easily at allamericanford.net. This is a big week for the Rangers, and this is a tough week for the Rangers. Four games, three of those four are really, really difficult games. All right, let's get into it. Tonight, against the Lightning, down in Tampa, Prime time for the nation to see, 7.30. Now, you can watch the game on ABC Channel 7 locally here in the tri-state area. And, of course, listen to it on 98.7 ESPN. So that's the lightning. That's tonight, 7.30. No rest for the weary. Get on a plane right after the game. Go to Raleigh. Quick flight. Tomorrow, 5.30 at the Hurricanes. That game can be heard on 10.50 a.m. Night off on Monday, back at it Tuesday on the road again against the Devils, 6.30 pregame in New Jersey, also on 10.50 a.m. And then a couple days off, Friday, 6.30, home at the Garden against the Penguins, and you can catch that game right here on eight seven ESPN. So four games. You got at the Lightning, brutal. At the Hurricanes, brutal. At the Devils, certainly easier, but not an easy game. And then home to the Penguins. So three of those four games are really against three of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Islanders, today, 1.30. It's Nickelodeon Day at UBS against the Stars, a game you can catch right here on 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow, another matinee, home against the Flyers, Again on ninety eight seven ESPN. Uh, Tuesday at home yet again as the Islanders are in the midst of a very busy homestand. The Ottawa Senators come to town seven o'clock. That stream only on ninety eight seven. And then Thursday against the Red Wings seven o'clock. That game also right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. So four games for the Rangers, four for the Islanders as well. And then the Devils today, this afternoon, three o'clock. Their West Coast trip continues in Edmonton, taking on the sensational scoring duo of uh, the, De- the the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, Drysaddle and-, and McDavid. Three o'clock in Edmonton, Tuesday. Like we mentioned, home to the Rangers. You can catch that game on ten fifty a.m. And then Wednesday, another brutal matchup for the Devils. They travel north of the border again, taking on Toronto at seven o'clock. So not as busy for the devils, but certainly difficult at the Oilers home to the Rangers and at the Maple Leafs. So that's it. Another hockey show in the books. I, I have to thank some people that really stand out and do a great job on the show. We start with Anthony Pusick, who makes it so easy and manageable for me every single week. Ray Deanahan as well. Andy from Merrick doing his thing. Big thanks to everyone. Uh, Joe Wiz is his next. And then at 9 o'clock, you get me. Full stomach, ready to roll, all the way till noon, right here. I'll be back, just an hour, on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks
0: for listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the
1: All-American
0: Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.